Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 255, Tyson Drake explains performance marketing as the ability to quantify how you're acquiring customers. He shares tips and insights into how you can track and review your marketing performance in terms of how much your customer acquisition costs and what return you're getting. Tyson explains how to use data and feedback mechanisms to improve and refine your message for maximum impact. This is Tyson's version of Be The Drop. This episode was recorded live at Southstar in Adelaide. I've included a link in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about Southstar. Welcome to Be The Drop, Tyson. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you at Southstar. Thank you. Happy to be here. Now, we're going to be talking about growth and how to scale your startup. But before we do that, you've got a bit of a story that introduces us to you and your business and what you do. Yeah, so I've kind of been doing performance marketing for over 10 years now. And when I first started, it was pretty new and it was just kind of hacking around on Google to be able to figure out what works. But it's, it's turned into a bit more of an art form now. But how I started was I was a personal trainer, to actually, to begin with. You won't, you won't find that on my LinkedIn. And I really didn't like it too much. It was, you know, 5 a.m. clients, 10 p.m. clients. It was pretty um, draining. So I went on to teach myself what's called affiliate marketing. And back in the day, it was selling like ebooks online. So I taught myself, I did a few online courses, taught myself how to, how to sell some ebooks. And about a year later, I, I ended up seeing an ad in, in the newspaper. And it was for this company called Gym and Fitness, which um, kind of married my fitness and like digital marketing world. I applied for the role and, and I got it. And within about four years, we grew to the largest online fitness retailer in Australia. This was going back to 2013 now. And so at the time, I was managing you know, a team of maybe 10, 15 people. And we had warehouses in different parts of Australia and, and offices and, and showrooms, actually gym equipment, people want to go see it. And I asked my boss at the time, I was general manager now running the business, and uh, can, can I travel? Because we had some overseas staff. And he's like, yeah, you can go travel for six months and work. So I ended up traveling Europe for six months just with a backpack and, and spending some time all throughout Europe. And so I ended up like just getting on uh, couch surfing and, I, and I, was, I messaged like 30 people and I'm like, whoever replies first, that's where I'm gonna go. And so I got on the train and uh, you know, someone got back to me in, in Switzerland. It was actually on the border of Switzerland uh, and, and France. I'm like, great, that's where I'm gonna go. So I was passing through Switzerland, and at the time, Tinder was really popular. And so I got into Switzerland, uh, started swiping, as you do, and that's where I met my now fiance, who, who's from Estonia. And, you know, things started to get a bit serious with her. We stopped working from, for, for Dream Fitness, still have a good relationship, but yeah, at the, at the time, you know, I didn't have any work. So now I'm like, what should I do? And so I had this, I had this connection in Berlin, and like, kind of networked around uh, and found this job at a venture capital firm called Project A Ventures. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'll do anything. I'll be an intern, I'll start, I'll do anything you want me to do. So they hired me to do a three month internship. And I was like, I don't know anything. 
I was like, oh my God, like I'm doing pretty well in Australia. And now I'm like at the bottom of the food chain in Berlin. And so I was there for three years, helped, you know, do performance marketing for some large companies. We had four acquisitions at the time there. And some of the companies I think are worth over a billion dollars at the moment. So it was really eye-opening. And then I, a uh, happy story, moved back here with the, the, you know, the lady I met in Switzerland. And yeah, we have two kids now. So yeah, it was a pretty happy story. Now I work for a company called The Want Life. We're the largest, uh, you know, run, run the performance marketing team there. We're the largest, I guess, one of the largest online CrossFit specialty retailers uh, in the world. Okay. Well, there are so many elements of that story, but I love a good love story. So that's the you know thing that I'll go, well done. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it was obviously worth it just to take that risk and, and stay. I'd like to start with, so that then we can build on some of the elements of that story, is what do you mean by performance marketing? So if somebody's listening to it and go, well, I'm a business, I want it to perform. Yeah. That sounds good, uh, but what do you mean by performance marketing? So I'm sure there's lots of definitions out there, but I would define performance marketing as the ability to quantify how you're acquiring customers and the rate at which you're acquiring customers, how much it costs to acquire customers, what type of, I guess, return you're getting on your customers that are being acquired and, and optimizing for the increasing improvements of those metrics, whatever they may be. It might be a decrease uh, cost per click, it might be uh, better retaining customers. It's the marrying of the data with like the actions uh, that the customers are taking versus, you know, some other marketing objectives might be we want to increase uh, reach or we want to increase brand awareness. You know, I would argue that that's, you know, that, that's great, but is, is that giving you a sufficient return on your investment? Can you effectively measure it? You know, different companies have different, I guess, marketing objectives. If you're a Toyota, maybe you are reach and awareness. Yes, there are some performance marketing aspects of that, like, I guess, trying to get the, the most reach for the lowest CPM. But if you talk to media buyers who are just doing the reach and awareness, you know, and you're asking, so how much are you acquiring customers for? Are they retaining? And you get a bit deeper to the analytics of how the customers are being acquired and the, how they're performing. They can't really answer those questions. So that's how I would define performance marketing from branding. Mm. And then, okay, uh, that, thank you for that definition. I like that definition. Then for me, the question is, okay, so what is the relationship then between the content, the messaging and the data? You know, where is the focus? What is the weight? Yeah. So I would argue the lines now are increasingly blurred. And what I mean by this is previously you used to just, you know, throw up some Google ads on AdWords and, and, just, and just get really good at uh, capturing that existing search traffic that would come from Google. And, you know, you're optimizing for, you know, cost per click and conversion rate and click-through rates. They're, they're really the levers you, you do in paid search. Whereas now, along came Facebook, and then they completely disrupted, you know, with their feed algorithm, they completely disrupted how a lot of traditional media is being bought whereby you'd have a direct relationship with like a media buyer, you give them a call and be like, hey, I want to buy this inventory. You buy a campaign, it might be a month, you pay 10 grand uh, and you hope that it works. Facebook came along and completely disrupted that. And so with Facebook being incredibly uh, creative driven and creative, I mean, you upload a creative, like an asset, and it has a specific look, a specific feel. And you have the ability now to really measure the effectiveness of that creative. So maybe in, back in the day, traditional TV and radio, you just do one TV ad and you just blast out, you hope it works. Whereas in Facebook, you can run like hundreds of creatives within any one campaign and you can see almost in real time the effectiveness of that asset, that creative has on the specific targeted uh, group of people. So what the game is now about, the game is you design the creative to perform 
And by perform, I mean it's converting. You're acquiring customers, and you can see the effectiveness of your creative. You can start to see what a good creative might look like, and you can start to see the effects of what a bad creative might look like. Versus before, you might just have a creative team doing their own thing and giving the assets to the marketing team, going, "Here you go, hope this works," and then the, the, the marketing team kind of uses them. So you see, want to have this like for performance-led creative. Yeah, so it is very intertwined, you know, and I think that can be the challenge for many businesses, you know, and you're looking at how to grow, how to use this to hack growth and accelerate growth. What do you think are some of the key tools then? Where do people start? They're like, oh, there's a lot. We've got to do this, we've got to do that. The performance, creative, creative performance. Where do you sort of go, these are the key steps that need to be included or considered? Yeah, I would always argue that in the beginning you really need to have some type of analytics infrastructure set up in place you know whether that be really basic you know pixel tracking with, with the Facebook or, or you know not not cookie anymore but you want to have some infrastructure tracking in place to be able to measure the effectiveness of your of your ads or of your funnel you know that can include you know anything to do with the Facebook or ad platform tracking systems that that should include Google Analytics but with with, with tracking, it's really important to get it set up in the in the beginning because if you don't, all of a sudden, it, you know, three, six, nine months time, you're going to want to ask questions and you're not going to be able to answer those questions correctly. So then you're going to have to set tracking up then. And as maybe a lot of people know, tracking isn't retrospective. You can't do it in the past. So then you've got to wait another three, six months to actually wait for the answers before uh, you start to find out answers to the questions in my head so so having a good tracking or not even a good or world-class tracking analytics infrastructure just having something in place that allows you to answer questions about your business and about the type of customers you're acquiring and how people are using your product is number one and number two is uh to, to start really um understanding how people are using your product or service and then who are your best customers and try and figure out who your best customers are as quickly as possible and then what you know, some things would be what are the leading indicators to uh, them using more of your product or service than other customers who who might sign up and then not use it again ever. What what are the leading indicators to people if you're running e-commerce to transacting multiple times to multiple products? So you have the measurement infrastructure in place to be able to ask questions. You start asking questions through uh, qualitative data surveys customer reviews, uh, focus groups, and then the quantitative data, which is like, what are they doing? So what are they doing and why? Who are our best customers? And then how do we go and find more of those best customers to grow? There's your step-by-step playbook. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as simple as that, but 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 we like to think, think through that framework. Yeah. And so then, and, it's, and there is always a whole range of different set of circumstances, which makes it not as simple as that. But what are some of the common barriers that you see businesses coming across that sort of impacts or reduces their effectiveness in this space? Yeah. I mean, the biggest one is not having the correct analytics infrastructure set up. So the example would be someone from marketing asks a question like, who are our best customers or what are our customers doing after they buy? And if you don't have anything set up straight away, you can't answer these questions. I mean, you can call customers and ask them, but it's a bit counterproductive. You probably want to do that with a combination of measuring what they're doing 
and, and calling them. You always want to marry the two types of data, the, the what are they doing, the quantitative, what are they doing, where are they clicking, where are they coming from, how long they're spending on your site, what pages are they doing, how much they're transacting, conversion rate, etc. And, and the qualitative data, which is why they're doing all those things. You, you may be able to ask, answer the, the qual, but you might not be able to know uh, the quantitative. So you really want to have good tracking and analytics infrastructure in place to be able to answer those questions. And there's varying degrees of tracking. There's a lot of free tools out there that allow you to do this. So if you're using SaaS, software as a service, there's Mixpanel, for example, they've got a free version. I think Amplitude Analytics might have a free version. There's a lot of free, really good software that allow you to do this. Hotjar has a free version. Um, Goo Analytics is free. And then, and then the, I guess the revenue model of these SaaS companies is to pay as you pay as you grow. So the more users who, who you're tracking or the more you know, sessions are coming to your website, the more transactions you're doing, the, the pricing generally scales with that. So, so they're really affordable as well. And you know, you, you've talked about Google Analytics a couple of times and I think many people are across Google as a space and have Google Analytics, but I see on regular occurrences people that are not really using Google Analytics. What Have you got any tips around that or things that you would say you know, as a basic to just start that tracking point? Yeah, so th there's a few parts to unpack here. One is it's, it's all, it, you know, it's great that you know, people have now gone and have the right infrastructure set up in place. But one of the biggest challenges with, I guess, online and digital is that there's so much data, you don't really know where to start or you don't know how to answer the question. You have questions, but you don't really know how to get answers to them. And so yeah, you, you definitely need someone who's competent in the team that knows how to do this, whether that be you know, someone who's an analyst who can, who can answer these questions or not maybe a specialized analyst, but you know, it could be someone who just knows how to export some data and, and you know, do some pivots and to answer some basic questions. A lot of these free tools have really good tutorials, so you can you can watch them and you can understand how to get answers to these questions. Some of these free tools even have good support, so you can actually engage with the support team there and customer service or customer success team, and you can ask them, how do I do this? And, and sometimes that can provide you with insightful reports. So that's how I would say to get around that is you, you just need someone on the team who is competent in that area. They don't have to be a specialist in that area, but they, they, that needs to be part of their skill set is to be able to do some analysis and then answer some questions because it's all well and good that you have the data for these things, which you know, I'm sure that's not the problem for a lot of companies. A lot of companies probably have too much data. The challenge is what do we do with it all? How, how do we derive insights from this data? And now that we have insights, how do we take action from the insights that we have and implement that into our new campaigns and new creative. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you've hit the nail right on the head there. And, and particularly within marketing departments, a lot of people within marketing and probably myself included, we have a creative focus. You know, my focus is storytelling and content creation, not analytical focus. So analytics do, I go, well, which data, where, what, how? So I think breaking that barrier and the comfortability, you know, feeling comfortable in that space is going to be a big hurdle potentially yeah, for businesses. Yeah. I can definitely see that. And I'll give you some examples of how they kind of blend into two now. So you mentioned that, you know, your, what you do is, you know, storytelling and that, that's great. Storytelling is, I don't want people to confuse performance marketing with non-storytelling because you can storytell through the funnel. So an example would be you have like some kind of top of the funnel campaign where you're creating awareness and you tell a story to, to hook your customers in. But what you can do now with that story, especially with, with uh, YouTube, is you can, you can tell a story and you can tell several different 
variations of a story. So it might be, for example, the first five seconds on YouTube, you know, if, if you ever watched YouTube before and you don't have a, a paid version, you want to skip the ad and you've got five seconds, you're like, oh great, I've got to, got to wait for the ad to finish or, or wait for the five seconds and then I can skip the ad. And then you're, all right, five, four, three, two, yep, skip, skip, skip. And you skip the ad. So within YouTube, there's this native functionality whereby you've essentially got five seconds to tell your story uh, not the whole story, but just the beginning of the story to get the user like hooked. So take, taking the performance aspect of performance creative and building on this a bit further, what you can do is you can, you can have your story, but you can actually change the first five seconds of your story to be slightly different. And so you could say, all right, well, I'm going to test three different variations of the first five seconds of this story. Maybe the copy is more, you know, aggressive or, or like maybe it's more, more, you know, fear of loss or, or you know, more engaging, so, something like that. I'm definitely not a storyteller, so excuse my, you know, ability to try and convey this. But, but I guess you can do performance creative whereby you can tell the first five seconds of the story in slightly different ways. And you can actually see how is the user engaging with the first five seconds of that story. And you can optimize how you tell the story. So the user, rather than clicking um, the, the skip button, they actually stay around and, and hear you out, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely it does. And I, and I like, you know, that the specific example there and going, well, you can change an introduction. And, and often um, we talk a lot in story that you need a hook and you've got to start it and particularly across social media platforms that you need to get the attention very quickly. And so what you're talking about is going, okay, so test different ways because you might not know exactly what it is. You've got, you know, you've done research, you understand your customers, but still you need to test okay well here's three different introductions to a story which one actually really resonates which one gets the most engagement which one is going to drive more business so and then going back to your previous point making sure you've got people within the team that can understand the analytics you know I might feel more comfortable in the story content creation space but I can certainly see that we need those analytics to help inform and shape and tailor our stories to an audience and and I think it's absolutely critical and so what you're saying is use data because these audience aren't as intimately known to us as our parents or our children but we want to create that version yeah, of intimate yeah, connection. That, that's actually a really good example. I've never thought about that before. But you're, you're right. If I'm telling a story to my parents, I'll, I'll tell it differently than I, you know, I am with my friends. One might be after a few beers. One might not be. So, but, but the point is, as you tell this story, and you know, any story worth telling is repeated several times too, you probably get better at telling it as well. So maybe the first time you're telling the story to, to your friends or family, it's rough. You haven't really got the, the arc of the story correctly. And, and over time, you refine your storytelling. And I would argue that you're actually natively using the feedback mechanism of, of your friends and family to, to improve the, the story that you are telling. Maybe you realize that uh, a group of friends might laugh a bit, bit more in some part of the story. And so maybe over time you kind of embellish that bit of the story a bit more. And maybe you've realized with your family that they might like a different part of the story. So maybe you, you, you embellish that a bit more. But the point is it's... It's the feedback loop, whether that be in real time amongst telling friends and family how a story, you know, the arc of a story versus doing it in, in a, a performance marketing context where you're showing that same story to millions of people or variations of that story to millions of people and, and getting that feedback over time to be able to improve the story. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. 
Exactly. So, and, and I think when it's explained in that way, people can go, oh, well, that makes sense. I always do that. You know, I practice that in my daily life. So what we're saying is use the data to enable you to do that in a business context because there is a, a barrier in a business relationship that's not that same as your personal intimate relationships. But create yeah. that. Create that contact and connection. I, I, I really like that use of story analogy. Yeah, me too. It's, it's, it's a good, <laughs> good insight. Good. I, might, I might borrow that yeah, one. Yeah, use it. Yeah. Do it. I yeah. think that's Impro- great. Always be improving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So in conclusion, Tyson, uh, I always finish with getting a be the drop tip. So that is your top tip for uh, the best way to communicate in a way that motivates and inspires action. So be the drop is based on the saying that I like, which is a waterfall begins with one drop. So how do we amplify our drop? How do we amplify our drop? Um, in, a, in, a, in a performance marketing context, I would say always test uh, and always measure and uh, focus on the, the system of improvement rather than any given thing that might be a quick win or, or a winner. And, and it's more like focus on the, the, the system of be, trying to continuously improve something. And, and if you get the system right and the feedback mechanism is in place, you will natively just get better and better and better. Fantastic. I love it. Thank you so much, Tyson. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.